Welcome back to another episode of Northeastern Next, a showcase for the stories, talents, and thoughtful insights of our university's current and future alumni. I'm your host, Caitlin, a current DeMore McKim graduate student. Today I'm here with Rishia Narayanan. Rishia received her master's in media advocacy, specializing in environmental science communications and policy from Northeastern in 2019. She's always been passionate about climate change and environmental science and has over five years of experience in strategic multimedia science communications and policy advocacy. She currently works as the climate change communication strategist for Conservation Law Foundation, Welcome, Rishia. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, happy to have you here. So for your undergrad degree, I know you didn't go to Northeastern. You studied sociology, originally wanted to become a psych therapist, but ultimately decided that that wasn't what you wanted to do. And you ended up doing that master's program at Northeastern. What made you change your mind and ultimately pursue a different career path? And how did you land on media advocacy? Mm. The desire to be a therapist, pursue psychology, really came from from my love of connecting with people. So I loved talking with people, understanding them, understanding you know their day to day lives, the process of meaning making, uh, and that's really where the idea of becoming a therapist, pursuing psychology, even maybe doing research came from. And as I continued my undergraduate you know tenure, my degree, I still maintained that love for connecting with people, but realized that maybe you know therapy, maybe research, that wasn't the avenue in which I wanted to do so, in which I wanted to do that. And so I started to kind of explore where I could still fulfill this desire, this kind of touch point with humanity, with people, use the skills that I had garnered from my undergraduate degree, and maybe find something a little bit more me, fit for me, that was meant for me. And so it took a moment where I had to really audit my passions, what I loved, you know, what I thought I would have a really great time doing. And I couldn't help but think back to how much I loved the environment and how much it had an impact on me. You know, I was always that little nerd at the Camden Aquarium growing up in New Jersey with my face pressed against the African penguin exhibit glass. And unfortunately, I was also that kid who was told that uh, they were not good at science. (laughs) So very quickly kind of put on halt to to my career in environmentalism. And I thought, why not bring it back up now? How can I combine um, psychology, sociology, these skills I have with this passion that I kind of let go of because I never thought I was good enough. Um, And that's how I came across the beautiful world of science communications. Uh, And and that was really it. That was kind of the perfect, I guess, puzzle piece. I was the perfect puzzle piece, whatever the metaphor is. So I spent some time working to kind of gain more experience in science communications, specifically in environmental science communications. Um, I spent some time at the New England Aquarium, and I also worked for a small nonprofit on Boston Harbor, which was a really beautiful combination of kind of global marine conservation and hyper-local marine conservation and harbor conservation. And I was in love. This was it, right? This was the perfect combination of all of my skills that I, the, the kind of ultimate equation of everything that I wanted. And that's kind of when I said to myself, all right, let's solidify your track and let's get a, let's get a master's degree in this. And that's when I found the media advocacy program. So is the media advocacy program what drew you to Northeastern in the first place for this degree? 
Yes, 100%. So when I was looking at kind of legitimizing this experience that I had gained in science communications and furthering it to further my career as well, I knew I didn't want to just do journalism. And I knew that given kind of the work that I was doing at the aquarium, at the small nonprofit, that policy advocacy and, and making impact through systems was something I deeply cared about and wanted to continue engaging with throughout my career. So as I was looking through the myriad of programs, master's degrees, you know, secondary degrees um, across all of the many colleges in Massachusetts and New England, I was noticing a pattern that a lot of them were purely journalism focused, which is great, again, for folks that want to go into journalism, but it wasn't for me. Uh, I didn't want to narrow myself down into just journalism. And so what really attracted me to the media advocacy program was the fact that it was a combined law program and journalism program. So I could get communication skills, but I could also legitimate those communication skills with an understanding of the legal system and policy advocacy. And it worked out perfectly. I mean, it's launched me into a career where I'm doing both of those things. So I'm really glad that I didn't just, you know, pursue something that was only journalism or only communications. This was exactly what I needed. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then when you were actually in the program, I know you've told me in a prior conversation that you had a couple of really great experiential learning opportunities. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, so I'm, I would have to say those are probably the hallmark of the program for me. Uh, for one semester, I interned at PBS Science Series Nova, and that was just a kind of fantastic immersion in what a day-to-day -day life would be like in this creative field, in this science communications field. So, you know, I was getting glimpses of writing articles um, about recent studies that just came out. I was getting glimpses of what it was like to create the documentaries, the like Nova documentaries, the really fancy ones. Um, I was getting glimpses of what it was like to create short form videos. Like we did one about the polar vortex, for example, and deep fakes and AI. It was kind of the crash course I needed it's it's one thing to be in a program. It's one thing to study and take classes. It's another thing to actually be able to meet people and and apply those skills and kind of get portfolio pieces and resume clips from it. Um, so I I and the team was amazing. I just loved that experience so so much. I think um, the benefit of that too is having worked before my graduate program. I wasn't here to explore right. Like I frankly I was bulldozing through the program of I know what I want to specialize in. I know what I want to get out of this. And so being able to do that internship and have it as a product of the program uh, was so fruitful to my career because it just helped further it. The second one that I did was a summer fellowship from the Rappaport Institute of Public Policy, um, where they place you within a government agency in Massachusetts. And I placed at the Massachusetts Division of Marine Fisheries, which the office is located in Boston. My role there, it's a public policy fellowship. And I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to explore the intersections between communications and public policy there. They were very open to to that kind of flexibility of my skills, not just being in public policy. And it was a great experience. You know, I did things from going on shark tagging trips to designing different types of media for the division to writing policy proposals about Sandlands. That was also just a fantastic way to further my career and say, hey, you know, this is legit. I am a science communicator and I'm a policy advocate. So after those two experiences, I know you are now with the Conservation Law Foundation. What does your current job look like? What does that entail? And what have those experiences been like so far? I adore working at CLF. It is such a wonderful workplace. My communications team is excellent. I'm so grateful to be working there. Um, I'm the climate communication strategist, as you mentioned before. So my work is 
purely focused on the Clean Energy and Climate Change Program, which seeks to um, reduce our use of fossil fuels, the same fuels that are, ironically, I use this, eh, no pun intended, fueling the climate, place, climate crisis, and make sure we can get to our clean energy future through climate laws and policies. Uh, so that ranges from things like, you know, advocating for nearly every New England state to have a climate law in the books with mandatory targets to slash those polluting emissions, to things like reforming our regional grid operator, ISO New England, who is in charge of our electricity grid, and making sure that we can actually prepare that grid to move away from fossil fuels and take in things like solar and wind and battery storage, et cetera, et cetera. We're New England wide, so it's it's hard work, but it's really fulfilling work. And there's something so magical about seeing change happen on the ground in the states that you live in right here at home, like in Massachusetts for myself, for example. The climate change movement, there's a lot of doom and gloom. There's a lot of harsh realities. And there's a lot of stalled decision making where, frankly, we need those decisions to be made much faster and much more um, boldly and much more inclusively. And so being able to kind of make that change happen at the local level and, and play a part in something bigger and be an advocate, not just in what I'm participating in with the lawyers and the policy advocates in, in the organization, but in my communications and my mobilization of audiences towards these goals is, is extremely fulfilling. I love that. I always love hearing people talk about their jobs when they're super passionate about what they do. And I think just the fact that you mentioned earlier being a kid, pressing your face up against the aquarium glass, and now you are here, that must be really, really fulfilling for you. 100%. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I was told that I couldn't do it. And here I am, right? Like, there's a, you know, myriad of obstacles for, I think, women in this field and also for people of color in this field that are difficult to overcome. And sometimes you feel like you don't belong, but you do. And I've learned that I do belong and I I am making an impact and I am making change and I am just as important as anyone else in this movement. Well, that is a fantastic segue into the next question. I know that you are part of a professional organization. Can you please tell me a little bit about it and what is the goal of that organization? Yes, of course. Um, So in 2020, myself and some fabulous colleagues co-founded a group called Professionals of Color in the Environment. It came after the murder of George Floyd, where we all attended a, a meeting hosted by the Conservationists of Color and kind of had this moment of intense catharsis, validation, and solidarity. And we valued that meeting so much. We were wondering, you know, does something like this exist on a local level in Massachusetts where it isn't just focused on something like, um, you know, like nature management, forest management. It's more broad about the entire environmental sector. And it's also um, focused in the state. And we looked really, really hard and we couldn't find anything. Um, If there was something, it was inactive and we couldn't get in touch with them or, you know, there just wasn't anything at all. So we decided let's just create our own group. Clearly, the fact that all of us, all of these co-founders felt such an impact from this meeting demonstrates a need, demonstrates that we're not alone in wanting kind of a space for people of color to come together. So the group is meant to kind of foster and create a community and a network, bringing professionals of color together in Massachusetts, not only for that kind of social space, that kind of um, sharing of community, but also for professional development and to build a pipeline for early career or youth of color to find their way and really solidify themselves in the environmental field. 
you know, I think I was kind of alluding to this before the isolation of working in this field as a person of color. When you look at the environmental movement, when you look at like the roots of the environmental movement, and you think about how stewardship has been happening for centuries by indigenous folks, by people of color, and then the environmental movement is really rooted in stealing land and colonialism and kind of this co-opting of management strategies and what what protecting the environment means i think that has kind of bled into the detachment of people of color from this movement and this feeling that we don't belong when ironically it's our ancestors that have been <laughs> protecting this earth for centuries and i'm really proud that we've created this space where we can say no we do belong and we can kind of reclaim our value and our power and kind of lean on each other to empower each other and make our voices stronger um, because when i you know when i'm speaking to a high schooler when i'm speaking to a college student for example I don't ever want them to feel like this field isn't for me because I'm brown the way that I felt, or this field isn't for me because I can't afford to do an unpaid internship or an unpaid co-op for three months the way that I felt. And I know that my colleagues feel the same and the members feel the same way. So that organization seems super awesome. The work that you are all doing sounds really incredible. And I love the fact that you are really kind of acting and providing a resource for those who are saying, I'm really interested in this field, but there's no way I'm going to be able to take this unpaid opportunity to get myself further. So that's really incredible there. Props, props to you and uh, everyone there. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I want to be very clear. This isn't just me. I could never do this alone. So my fabulous co-founders um, and the wonderful members of the networking group of Posse, um, they're the reason we exist. So for everyone at home listening, there are two birds in the background. You might hear them chirping a little bit. Um, they look adorable from what I am able to see. So uh, we have a couple of special guests with us. In addition. Yes, they're my little baby climate activists. Also my work from home buddies. <laughs> work from home buddies. Nice, nice. Um, awesome. So because this is Northeastern Next, I like to ask all of our guests, what is next for them? Yeah. Okay. Let's break this up into three things. <laughs> there's the personal, there's um, the networking group posse, and then in terms of my, my career. So personally, I want to continue finding confidence in myself and in my voice and in my impact and also making sure that I take time for myself and take time to heal from this really difficult, frankly, difficult work. The same way that I tell others that I care about to heal and take time for themselves, I think I should walk that walk too. So I think personally, I strive to continue doing that. I think in terms of this networking group, we just hired a fantastic operations manager. His name's John, and he is taking this group. It is it is gone from like this nice snowball that's been gathering speed to a giant, uh, massive boulder of snow um, that is rolling down a hill. Um, so I'm really, really grateful that he's on board. We have some fabulous things coming up for the networking group. Um, we have some really great events and I, I'm excited to see it grow and I'm excited to see it, you know, serve what our membership tells us that they need. And then I think in terms of my career, I want to continue working for places that and really intentionally dedicate my time to places that are committed to making systems level change. I speak boldly and I speak 
candidly when I say that the environmental movement has enough of um, people saying things and not owning up to it and making bold statements, but not actually taking action on those bold statements. And as much as, you know, individual actions are a great way to get involved in the climate movement, in the environmental movement, like eating plant-based or recycling, what we really need is we really need to hold the mega polluters accountable. We really need our governments to mandate policies and actions that will take us away from the roots of these crises. And so for me, I think I want to see the rest of my career serve those system level changes where we can make change at scale and empower people to use use their most powerful tool, which is their voice in advocating for those changes. I love that. I love that. So if someone was interested in joining your networking group, they are in your field, it's relevant to them. They're, they want to get started. They want to join you and your fabulous colleagues. Where can they find you? How can they get started? Yes. Okay. So membership to Posse is completely free. There are only three criteria which you need to fit. And the first is you must identify as Black, Indigenous, or a person of color. The second is you must be interested in learning about or currently work in the environmental field. And then the third is you must either reside in or work in Massachusetts. Um, And if you're interested in joining, you can join our Google group, which is massposse at googlegroups.com. So that's M-A-S-S-P-O-C-I-E at googlegroups.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been lovely speaking with you, hearing all about what you do and really kind of how Northeastern helped get you there. I think that media advocacy program is really key in kind of determining what that next step was. And best of luck to you. Good luck with everything that you're doing. The work sounds absolutely incredible and so meaningful. And I'm sure that doing something that's meaningful to you every single day is extremely rewarding. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. Thank you so much again for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Northeastern Next. If this episode brought back some great memories, check out our Husky Starter page online to support current student endeavors or reach out to us via our email at alumni at northeastern.edu or on Instagram at northeastern underscore alumni to point us in the direction of a great story, either from you or a friend. And lastly, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can hear a new episode in your feed every other Wednesday. Remember, once a Husky, always a Husky. See you the week after next.